Welcome to another episode of War Stories. I'm Tom. And I'm Chuck. And uh, we have been uh, talking about how we have not had a dispatcher on yet, but how important that job is. And so I beat the bamboo telegraph a little bit <laughs> and I called in an airstrike and I reached out to one of my favorite dis- dis- dispatchers of all time, Chuck. She uh, worked with me. I, I came on the department and uh, well, I'll let her t- tell how we met. How's that? But uh, uh, I want to introduce you to Candace, our guest for this week. Hello, everybody. Um, yeah, I was probably all of like 12 years old when I first started in <laughs> law enforcement. <laughs> I, I mean, it feels like that, doesn't it? It it does. It does. We were so young back then. But no, I started when I was 19 um, mm-hmm. as a cadet. And it basically was an intern, a paid internship where I had to go to college full time and work part time at the police department. And I initially was like, you know what, I might become an officer. Mm-hmm. And so I did a rotation with officers, evidence, dispatch. And as the usual story goes, dispatch was short staffed. So I spent a bulk of my time in dispatch answering non-emergency calls. Um, so part of my um rotation as a cadet was to go out and, you know, just do area checks, patrol checks. Um, and you know, I think like neighborhood, like volunteer neighborhood (laughs) patrol, like a step up. Cause you could actually take counter reports. Couldn't you? I did. I took runaway juveniles, vandalism, thefts. Um, I even got to carry pepper spray. Ooh, that's right. You did. (laughs) I remember when you got it, you're like, look, I have pepper spray. I'm like, don't you ever use that on me? Yeah, but you're but you're like, yeah, now you have to get pepper sprayed. So you guys I had That's to get true. sprayed. It's true. You did. Yeah. It, it's yeah. not fun. As a cadet. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. You want to carry pepper spray, you gotta get sprayed. Get pepper spray. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like fuck as a cadet, <laughs> damn. Well, she, it's supposed to be like, I would have gotten sprayed and be like, I'm never being a cop ever again in my life. The cadet position is supposed to be like a pre-academy position, right? So this is like exposure to an experience in law enforcement while you go to college and then you pick a career path and Candace chose dispatch. I did. Um, So Thomas and I had crossed paths, crossed paths at the PD, you know, Mm -hmm. just, Hey, in the hallway. Um, and the first time that I actually really interacted with him, he got in an accident. On mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had to go pick him up from the hospital. It was awesome. And uh, yeah, uh, he had airbag. TC'd my black and white airbag burns on my arms and forehead. Yep. So I had to pick him up at the hospital and he wasn't quite ready yet. So that was a. Uh, we just sat there and waited time. with me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. I forgot that that was that you were the one that picked me up after that. Yeah. So and the stupid. silver bullet. Yeah. And it's, oh my God, the silver bullet. Jesus. Memories. Yeah. Yeah. For real. <laughs> the chief's car got downgraded to the cadet's car when the chief got a new car. Actually, I think the chief's car went down to the lieutenant's car and then the lieutenant's car became the sergeant's car and then the sergeant's car became the cadet's car. Yeah. Is how that it really thing was went. a hunk of <laughs> yes, junk. <it> was. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And then uh, we became friends after that. Um, And I remember just kind of 
trying to mentor you through the whole process just because I was like, oh, I like this kid. <laughs> and <laughs> I wasn't, I say kid, I wasn't much older than you. I was probably in my mid 20s. Like mid, mid was it? <laughs> I wasn't, I don't think I, like you were 19 and I was probably 26. Wow, we were young. <laughs> yeah, right. Like it, yeah. when you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah, we weren't that, like compared to how we are now, we're like, oh shit, we weren't that, like, that's yeah. not that, that's weird, you know? Yeah. Cause you're, yeah. uh, you're Wyatt's age, right? You guys are the same yeah. age. <laughs> and, and I'm only seven years older than him, I think six or seven yeah. years old and so yeah it was like i was like oh yeah this, this is a cool kid but at the same time i'm still a you know baby in law enforcement myself but i felt like big well stuff. it's funny because starting at 19 i've always been the baby no matter where i went but right. now you know i'm not the baby anymore and we've got officers that are 21 like just turned 21 and it's like i'm a dispatch mom now like, <laughs> it, I, it's like Come in for your motherly advice, you know. <laughs> yeah, there's the three phases. It's like you're a dispatch kid, then your dispatch mm -hmm. wife, now your dispatch mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you, you ever try to talk her out of law enforcement when she was young? No. No. No, I did. I just I had a, a cadet, I guess. She well, she was more like a reserve officer, and she was like, I want to be a cop. And I was like, Oh, you do. After Talking with her for about six months, I talked her out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I did my job. It's the proudest moment I've ever had. Oh I talked gosh. her out of it, and she's like, I think I'm going to try for the FBI. I was like, do that. You're not a good fit for law enforcement. Right. <laughs> yeah. I love that we don't consider I mean, the FBI was, law enforcement. <laughs> yeah. She was such a right? nice girl. I'm like, she's just like her, but her whole goal was I want to get hired and climb the ladder. And I was like, no, please, yeah, that's please, we don't need yeah. any more of those. We people don't need you in yeah. this no. agency or any other agency for that matter. You should go to the feds for sure. Yeah. And they like that. Like, shit there. Oh, and I talked her out of it. I was like, dude, no one will respect you. You will be hated. <laughs> Everybody that, as at least you're being honest not respected yeah, yeah. no and did she like me and i think that's because she had a crush on me and i had to let her down softly and i felt i let her down softly I he felt, means drop her very carefully <laughs> i i stopped talking to her right <laughs> it really awkward her. <laughs> well because i was talking to her and then she kind of like we we're talking and then i started dating my current wife and then she hit me up for like a date oh while I was dating her, and I was like, ah, I can't. That's weird. Yeah, I'm yeah. with my girlfriend. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, but yeah. I thought that was funny. It was a very proud moment. I just didn't know. Like, I, I always try to talk like <laughs> I brand new probationers so out of cops. <laughs> like, I, I was like, you shouldn't be here. I'd ask them the questions. And if they failed any of the questions that I asked, I would try to talk them out of it. But like, you know what? But like, there's a it. certain, there's a certain element of like when coaches beat people up to try to get them to quit the team because then they know that the people that stay on the team really want. And, and exactly need and are, yeah. have the heart to be there navy seals they try to wash you out and you know because if it, it's hard right so that should that's the whole point of the academy folks anyway we're gonna get on my freaking soapbox again about stress <laughs> academies and anyway <laughs> so candace became a dispatcher and now you've been a dispatcher for what like almost 20 years right almost 20 years yep and i cannot stress guys and gals the importance of good dispatchers enough because i've worked with oh my god um, amazing 
I'm, I've worked with some amazing, phenomenal dispatchers, and I will just do the romper room roll call and say Jeannie and Candace and Shannon and Kelly. And then there's the other ones who I'll be nice and not name who can <laughs> F.O. Um, I, I literally, dude, I had a dispatcher tell the tell somebody else. I send Thomas to all the shitty calls because I don't like him. Ooh, and when okay. I, Ooh that's harassment. <laughs> that is workplace oh, harassment. That's dude, a when I work found out, I went to the watch commander and the watch commander ripped her up one side and down the other. It was the only time I ever won against the dispatcher because you'll I never would, win. I would refuse dispatcher. every call. I'd be like, no. You will, you will always see that it's like a common joke amongst dispatchers. Ugh, yeah. The officer pissed me off. You know, he keeps running traffic. I'm going to send him to all the shitty calls. And you think it in your head, but you never do it. Some of you do it. Some of you do it. All the good calls. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> I had true. such bad dispatchers that like there'd be training and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I worked some really good dispatchers where they were solid, cranky, angry, mean, but fair. And they knew their shit. And they would put you code six locations that you actually were for a while. We had all these brand new dispatchers and we were complaining left and right. We're like, this is unsafe. I was getting put code six and locations that were out of my area that were multiple, like, like miles away. And I'm like, what the fuck? Or yeah. I would be code six on location, come back out to my car. I'm cleared. And I'm like, no, <laughs> like, Hey, how do you show my status? And they're like, Oh, we show you clear. I was like, negative who cleared me. Oh, well, we cleared you. I was like, why? I'm still code six here. I'm an active investigation. Put me code six back. And I'm like, that's, a, that's, of like if I get into a fight and I need a help call and I can put help out and the only thing I can get out is help. No one's going to know where I'm at because you cleared me <laughs> and everyone's going to be like, Oh, well, you know, yeah, I, it's going to take them a minute. So if they're good, they're going to send people to your last known look. But mm -hmm. if, if they're, that's oh, if dude, they're good. Dispatchers were so bad. They were on training and we were, we were like, we, like, the moment we found out, we're like, okay, now we're going to start working you hard because we want you to wash out. We want you to leave because this is unsafe. Yeah. You're sensing like a theme. And yeah. yeah. Oh, but it was everybody. It was the whole like division. Yeah. Everyone was just going hard on him. And then we had a liaison to come into the station and she was like, Hey, I know you guys are upset. We're like, no, it's beyond upset. This is unsafe. You guys need to get your shit together. And the trainers need to start training. And these trainers shouldn't be just off training. Cause that's what they started doing. Cause they were so understaffed. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah, was like, no, that, bring back the old salty ones. That's who we want. We yeah, want the angry ones. Yeah. I like the angry and that's the thing. It's, it's like, where the hell are the trainers? You know, we, we train where you can make your mistakes, but if it's an officer safety thing, I'm going to step in or I'm going to fix it right away as a trainer. I'm not going to just be like, you know, uh, we'll just let it pass. You know, if you put someone out on a traffic stop and the location's wrong and be like, okay, shots fired. Where's that person? at oh they're here no that's not what they said right right you know i, I like to phrase it like that so it kind of ingrains in them this is not just oh that's not me being nitpicky right yeah it's like shots fired where's that officer at so there there was um something it's similar for training officers when and i had it done to me my dad had it done to him good training officers will do it this way which is not hey where are we oh i don't know okay go run back and look and then you drive away and make them run and catch up with the car no I would pull over and pull over I'd turn the car off, black, black the car completely out. 
And then I'd look at my training and go, I've just been shot. Where the hell are we? Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, yeah. uh, and the, the look of panic on their eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, mm, well, Matt, now you need to go find out where we at because we used I'm to done. hit, we used to hit corners, start hitting corners really hard and like speeding up. And my, my training officer did it to me for the first time. And I was like, what the fuck? What is he doing? He would just start hitting these streets. And I'm like, oh shit, what, 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 like, did he see something? So I start catching the signs like off the back of my, uh, like just out of, yeah. you know, pure Panic. necessity. And I'm like, I don't know where the fuck I'm at. Like, <laughs> right. dude, what's going on? Why is he driving like this? And then he just starts, he, he yells at me, he starts, put out, put out the pursuit, put out the pursuit. And he's like, and I go to grab the mic and he's like, no bitch. Like, <laughs> like just start calling verbally, streets. like I'm yeah. testing you. And I was like, oh Dude, I thought you saw something. So I start putting out all the, the, the stuff because I was paying attention. And then he would see, do the that's, same thing. That's, and I do I that think, too with my boots. Yeah, that's important. The Candace, you're talking about, if it's a safety issue, it can't be like, it can't. you can't let it go. You can't. No. Oh, they'll figure it out. No, it. you have to nip that shit in the bud. It's not, it's not like, oh, you forgot to, you know, put the car away properly or you forgot to, you know, right. You know, yeah. no, this is like, this is big people stuff, you know? It is. This it's, is you know, death. stop it where it's going to have life or death ramifications. It's not like, right. oh, you forgot to get the caller's last name. Like, oh, yeah, don't forget that next time. Right now, this is like, I'm going to give you real world consequences, mm-hmm. you know, scenarios. I'm going to make you understand that, you know, when it counts, it really does count. So with you, <clears throat> let's let's start here. Uh, if you were to pick the the biggest thing you would want police officers to know that maybe don't understand, you know, maybe they're not paying attention. What is the biggest thing you would want all your cops to know about how to treat dispatch or what dispatch deals with? I think just patience, you know, there's a lot of agencies that work one man dispatch and with everybody being short staffed, that's kind of where we're at right now. And just because you don't see a ton of calls on the board on your MDC doesn't mean that we're not getting our asses kicked. Um, you know, we're getting 911 calls for other agencies that we're transferring through. We're getting calls for the ambulance company that we're transferring through. Um, we may have an officer on the phone that's asking us to do, you know, can you run a criminal history? Can you run this car? Can you run vehicles registered to? And you guys aren't the only ones on the radio <laughs> Wait, so the agency that you currently work for the, the officers don't have the capabilities to run a criminal history in their car no 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 that's wow uh, so like, you can do it i, you I was can trained do it. in it so I, I was trained how to run a criminal history but for us and i'm sure it's like, the same at your current pd as when we were together uh you can run uh wants and warrants you can run driver's license you can run uh registration um, you can even run, you, you mean, California's Colette's, you can run a basic, you know, NCIC check for, you know, warrants, warrants, firearms registered to mm-hmm. restraining orders, blah, 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 blah. But to do an actual criminal history, because of the requirements, we have to have a case number. We have to run it at the station. We have to like log it. Like criminal histories are, are yeah. Running someone's actual criminal history is a big deal. You so can't we just have, be like, hey, run a criminal history crazy. and read it out to me. Nope. So we have two ways to do it. One in the field through a, a system called Cheers, um, where you just pop it up and you can put the shit in. And then it's it works 
you may not get everything back, but you get most of it. I was going to say, that's probably how they get away with it because it's a system that gives you an abbreviated criminal history. Yeah. And then the one, well, you have to be trained for it. And then the one in the, um, at the station, which is through next, we're all training. We put our serial number, password, and then, um, you run everything you can. Yeah. See, we had to have a specific case number associated oh, with so why we want because because <laughs> we can run histories are so restricted. yeah yeah they'll, yeah, audit, they'll it. audit us mm-hmm. yeah no we would be able and to if- run it to get the case numbers and then from the case numbers we could check each case and pull up all the reports on the screen and it was like that weird like is that only internal all green letters <laughs> is that only internal what what do you mean is that only interdepartmental right like you can only run interdepartmental reports because we could do well, that no, we could dude. run Okay. I could run shit from like Ventura County, different mm-hmm. states, but like mm-hmm. when you get to different states, they're obviously not inputted. So you have to call over there to be like, Hey, show me that report, like fax to me or, but you get all the shit from yeah. the state. No, I'm just talking about like running like the basic rap sheet. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh, I get, yeah, yeah. No, I could do that. Easy. Yeah. Easy. We couldn't do that. That was very, really? very difficult to do. Yep. Very. Difficult. Oh man. Because it's strictly controlled, strictly controlled. Yep. And so it sounds like your agency might have been playing fast loose with the rules because they were like, no, I, had to get tra- <laughs> I got trained in it. No, I know I you get offers. trained in it. But when you can do it is the big question. And it sounds like there, there are legal, like legal precedents to say when you're allowed to run somebody's criminal history. And so I arrested if, them. No, no if you yeah, can't. No, just, I did. Yeah, we, we so. have to every time we have to present the rap sheet. Weird. And we can't we can't even email it without it being encrypted now right. because it's got to go over secure networks. It's that heavily regulated. Yeah. So now what about civilians for people that don't necessarily understand the let's put it this way. Let's back up a little bit for civilians. You said cops aren't the only ones on the radio. So let's just go back to the average person who saw emergency as a kid or one out of 12 or is watching you know, uh, Southland or the rookie or anything. And they hear that voice come over the radio. What are the things that, what are the actual things that go into being a dispatcher? You've got to be able to multitask. (laughs) Right. And because at most agencies, you're not just on the radio. You're also answering the phone. No, I've, I've had days where I've had a structure fire, a pursuit, at the same time as a structure fire. So you've got firefighters talking to me, you've got them calling the pursuit and two medicals, you know, I, that, that could be a monthly thing for me. That happens at least once a month where it's just, and then, you know, nine one ones are ringing off the hook because everybody wants to call in the structure fire. Um, and you're alone. I'm alone. Yep. I'm alone. And right. you just got to kind of roll with the punches. And so if you get a citizen calling in wanting to report an abandoned vehicle and I put you on hold for a long time, it's, you know, I'm sorry, this is what I'm doing. This right. is, you know, I'm freaking busy. Damn yeah. It. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes really good. I know candidates have done this. I know some of the other dispatchers. they'll tell you, look, it's going to be a while because we're in the middle of some emergency stuff. If it's not emergency you and you'd like to call back, we understand if not, you'll be sitting on hold and you just tell yeah. them that and put them on hold. And then like, if, if they give up, cool. If they don't, more power to them. <laughs> you always sit there and silently like pray, please hang up, please. <laughs> yeah, right. When the lights, the light flicks off, you're like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Because no, I think, it- I think most people don't understand like dispatchers don't just work the radio at most agencies. Now the bigger agencies, you've got 
911 answering phone calls, putting it in the computer, uh-huh. and then you've got dispatchers who just work the radio, and you might have like, you know, one dispatcher working three stations or a couple dispatchers working, you know, multiple stations. But you're talking about you don't work one state, one or two stations. You work multiple agencies, right? So you, our dispatchers, yeah. when you when we were working together, and I'm sure at your agency, and I would be willing to bet a lot of agencies. Um, for example, our local PD. The dispatch center is a contractual dispatch center that covers the sheriff's department and three police departments, as well as all the fire agencies and medical agencies. So Uh you're talking about if there's two people working, those two people are covering the phones for 911 and the radio for four or five (laughs) fire agencies, two medical agencies, and about at least three law enforcement agencies at the same time. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly what it is. So now when you, how does that, because, because a lot of people, especially cops, I know cops that are like that dispatcher gave me this, that, and the other thing we've talked long and hard about good dispatchers put out what they, they, they have to like glean information from, you know, it's almost like interrogation of the caller. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yep. It's, you know, they want to tell their story, just like when you guys get on scene, what happened 12 years ago that led up to, you know, and each year after that 12 years, what led up to what's going on today? It's like redirecting. Okay. I understand that. However, what is currently going on that you've called 911 for? Oh, I just got punched in the face by my boyfriend. Yeah. Okay, great. Why didn't we start out with that? Yeah. We didn't need the history of your bad relationships. (laughs) We just need to know what's happening today. Exactly. And, you know, you, there could be a full on disturbance in the background and okay. Stop engaging with him. I need you to get to a separate room and I need you to tell me, do you have any injuries? And it's, you know, some of the deputies and officers are good about just going in route and they're like, okay, this dispatcher is going to get me the information I need. I know they necessarily don't have it at this at the time of dispatch, but by the time I get there, I'll have what I need. And then you get some people are like, can you ask him this? Can you ask him that? Can you ask him, you know, what color socks are they wearing? You know what? You're going to get, you're going to get what you get. And you're going to find out why you got what you got when you get on scene. And the person's a hot mess. You know, it's, it's. You know what I should do? What do you think about this? I should include, and and I'm sure you're going to remember this. I still have the audio recording of Muhammad. Do you remember oh, that? <laughs> yes. I I vaguely remember Muhammad. So you were not, I don't think you were a dispatcher yet. You were still, uh, you were still a cadet, weren't you? This guy calls in and this is to give a perfect example of what Candace is talking about. And maybe I'll see if I can redact the audio and include it. I don't know. Uh, but this guy calls in and he's trying to explain the call, the, 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 you know, the situation he's in the disturbance, but the entire time he's talking to dispatchers, I shit you not, you guys, it's like, I'm going to fuck you up. I'm going to fuck. Hello. Yes. I need the police to come to eight, six, seven, five. Your motherfucking piece of shit. So I'm um, there's this guy Dan and this guy Zach and they are parking you fucking asshole piece of shit dude it's like seven <laughs> minutes of that and 
I ended up actually going to the call and then I didn't hear the audio until much later. <laughs> and it is <laughs> the funniest, like most perfect example of how dispatchers can have to deal with. And it was, it was a, uh, one of our fellow officers that ended up, she was in dispatch eating, of course. And she ended up taking over the call because it was a much bigger call than like, it was like, holy shit, I don't even know how to deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that one now? I do. Oh, I do. And, you know, I've, I've had a ton more Mohammeds in yeah. my career where it's just, you know, they're completely vile to the other person, you know, that's in the room with them. And then they get on the phone and they're like, well, yeah, anyway, like, try to yeah. make themselves to be the victim. <laughs> right. And yeah, more often like, than not, they're the ones who are guilty. You're like, yeah, you know and, we can hear all of that, right? <laughs> yeah. And there's been times where, you know, I, they've been completely fine on the phone and then they're yelling at the person in the background. I'm like, you know what? Give the phone to the other person. Let me talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> right. And try to like, you know, calm them both down. And it's like, you know what? Go wait in the other room. I, I, this is not helping you guys screaming at each other. <laughs> yeah. You're not helping the situation. You're making it worse. You need to go no. have a timeout and I will get somebody there as soon as possible. And a, and a lot of it is, it, it feels like I'm parenting. Yeah. You know? Oh, for it's, sure. It's like, okay, I need you to just go in the other room. Stop talking to them. Stop talking to them. The officers will mediate the situation when they get there. It's, I, I it just feels like a bunch of 12 year olds that you're dealing with sometimes. Yeah. And then you get out on the street and you meet them face to face. And you can't just hang up the phone. You can't just hang up the phone, right? You're exactly. stuck there. And this is why dispatchers who hate certain officers be like, I'm sending him to this fucking call. <laughs> <laughs> I want him yeah, to meet this guy face to face. I always so buy I, those 415s. I don't, I love them. No, no, no. It's it's just, you know, when you know the guy's a douchebag, I just, and I love the 415. But now, you, is the inverse true? Do you send, do you know, like, oh God, this is, this call is going to be a shit show. I need to send so-and-so because the rest of the shift can't handle this or they don't know what they're doing or they'll fuck it up. So I know you're not supposed to. We're we're a small enough agency where if it's going to hell in a handbasket, you know, the next person up for the next call gets it. However, more than likely, you know, 99% of the time, the rest of the shift's going to go because we usually only have, you know, two to three officers on duty. So everyone's going to go. And it's that combination of experience (laughs) out in the field that, um, you know, get them through the call and whoever ends up taking the call, you know, the report Mm -hmm. that's decided out in the field. But um, I do get calls where if it's a mental health issue, (laughs) I know there's one officer that may have a rapport with the person and maybe able to get them, you know, to calm down. I'm I might take them, you know, go out of rotation and take them and send them to that call. But typically it's all hands on deck when it goes sideways. Yeah, of course. And it's gonna go sideways, as we like to say. It always uh, goes sideways. It does. So now let's let's uh let's just get into some of the the craziest stuff that you've dealt with as as far as calls for service and stuff you've had to deal with in dispatch. Um, I know there's one particular incident we might want to get into um, just so people can understand. We talk about on this show, we talk about um, cops or firefighters that go to the scene 
and 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 patch somebody up who's dying and and ship them off to the hospital in an ambulance and then they go home and they'll tell somebody about their day and they be like yeah this call this guy was all fucked up and he was bleeding to death and we put him on the ambulance and he went went to the hospital and then the, people look at you and they go well did he did he live did he survive and you go i don't know <laughs> right like yeah like, it's a, it's a weird like like and we've talked about we should probably be a we should probably be as a collective group we should probably be better at making sure we do get the closure on some of those things because emotionally for our own well-being it's like oh did we make a difference well yeah finding that stuff out is probably it's probably good for our souls to know yeah we did make a difference you know, in, in, in a lot of these cases that we just, and we move on so quickly. We're like, I, mm-hmm. fucking, I don't care. Yeah. Um, I'd say law, law enforcement gets more closure than probably fire. Most just, yeah. Just for the simple fact that if someone dies, we go to court. To go. Well, and we go to court but too. If, so we get to see like the adjudication yeah. of it. So the fire departments like never process. go to court. Right. And I'd say dispatchers probably get the least amount of closure, especially. Yeah. When it's I was going to say. And I always get those calls. What happened? Is yeah, that person okay? and, that, and I'm like, yeah. yeah so I'll talk you know about that minute. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because you'll, you know, on you get the medical calls, and those are the ones where I don't really get closure because the way things are formatted up here, um, we don't know if they die at the hospital. We we we're not responsible, even if it's within 24 hours of arriving at the hospital. We're not responsible for taking the death investigation. Um, so you get a lot of medicals where they go and route code three lights and sirens to the hospital with CPR in progress. And I I won't know until, you know, I see an obituary and I have to put the pieces together or, you know, whatnot. Um, As far as law enforcement calls, have the officer call in. It's like, um, that's not how I dispatched the call. That is not the information I got. What the hell happened? (laughs) And, you know, it's, it's usually like a wild story out in the field. So we are able to get, I'm able to get closure on law enforcement calls more than medical calls mm-hmm. and i think uh, that's with everybody law enforcement calls are a little bit easier to get closure especially because you let you dispatch a possible 187 in progress and the officer you know clears the call with a civil issue <laughs> yes <laughs> yes that, right. it's uh it's crazy how people will you know oh i almost died and they get mm-hmm. there and it's like a paper cut something like that um, people think that if they embellish, they're going to get an officer quicker or they're going to change the situation to the way they want it to go. So does it get to I, you? Does it you do you get like to the point where you're like, you lying motherfuckers and people yes. call and they tell you and you're like, you are lying. You, I know you were lying. Yes. Yeah. It's it, after doing this for so many years, you pick up on the keywords that people think will get a faster response. Um, You know, uh, we get a lot of welfare checks. We have a homeless population that is an ever-growing issue across the nation, obviously. Um, and people are like, oh, this guy's passed out. Well, did you check on him? Well, no, I, I don't know. He might be drunk. Well, is he breathing? I, I don't know. Great. Now I have to send the whole world for a transient that's just trying to sleep in the doorway. Um you know, right. Well, he, right. He, he could be dead. Great. You know, yeah. <laughs> you they say this stuff. And, and they're yeah. too dumb. And some of that stuff, I think, is they're too dumb to to realize the ramifications of what they say. Like, yeah, 
you know, they're like, well, I haven't checked. He could be dead. I don't know. And you're like, well, fuck, if you don't know, you're the eyes on the ground. Like, yeah. go poke him with a stick. Something. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's really it's frustrating because because you have not checked on him. You haven't yelled at him. You could yell at him across the street. Hey, are you OK? Now I have to send a fire engine going Mach 40 lights mm-hmm. and sirens blowing through intersections. I have to send an ambulance. I have to send an officer. They're all driving with their lights and sirens on. They're driving code three. And that ups the ante for potential accidents. And had you just poked him and said, you know, he could have said, fuck off. I'm napping. Great. <clears throat> no, now I'm right. not putting citizens at risk because or officers or firefighters. Yep. Officers, firefighters. It, it, I just don't think people understand the importance of articulating or do, uh, you know, going the extra mile. Do you ever experience the the coppers and the firefighters getting shitty with you because you keep dispatching them to these bullshit calls and then you have to explain to them, look, this is how it came out. I, I There's nothing I can do. I don't. Or are they pretty good about it? They're they're actually pretty good about it. Um, so. <laughs> Speaking of people getting shitty with me, um, so that's actually how I met my husband. He was getting shitty with me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Candace's yeah. husband used to be a deputy and she used to be a dispatcher at the sheriff's department where he was a deputy. So, yeah. So <laughs> he was on a, a coroner's case at the hospital and he was with his partner and calls were stacking up for his um, beat. And so he calls in asking for a case number. And I say, here's your case number. And P.S. You have like six calls pending. And he's like, well, what the fuck do you want me to do about it? I can't. I'm stuck on this call. And um, so I was like, God, what a jerk thinking to myself. So as soon as I hang up the phone, this is back when we had um, handsets. And so I was able to slam the phone down. Uh, like, Oh, that fucking guy. He's such a fucking douchebag. <laughs> How all good relationships start. Right. And then, you know, a year later, oh, we're dating. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, I, I get it on his end. It's like, well, what do you want me to do about it? I know you can't do anything about it, but. You were you just know. giving him in the information. Just. Yeah. I, yeah. I used to love it when dispatchers would start stacking my calls when I was on a call. And I, I would have. So I'd be so happy when I'd get back in the car. I'm like, fuck, that's a lot. And <laughs> Just wait for it. And I'll be like, hey, um, I'm going to be honest until further. I need to sell all those calls back. And they're just like, oh, like you just hear the hate in their voice. I'm like, reassign them. <laughs> there is no way I'm clearing those. Like, you need to reassign them. And every once in a while, you get, you get a crotchety one or you'd be like, well, you need to talk to the watch commander. I'd be like, all right, well, which yeah. ones do I need to talk to him about? Yeah. These three. I'd be like, all right, we'll sell back all the rest. I'll get those reassigned. And I'd call, like, hey, there's no way I got to, I have a body. Like, this is a long investigation. This is what I got. He'd be like, all right, what are the calls you need to sign? And I'm like, blah, blah, blah. He's like, all right. And he just put them out over the radio and you're like, fuck yeah. <laughs> but so, so there's, something. There's, oh, I'm there's sorry. Nothing Go for worse. It. There's nothing worse for a dispatcher. You can ask any dispatcher. We hate calls and pending. Like they just nut us up. Seeing them down there waiting. Like I like my screen clean or I like my screen <laughs> being heavy on the top. Little OCD. Where- yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's you can ask any dispatcher. Do you like pending calls? Hell no. We will we will give it away to anybody to get it yeah. out of our cab. 
<laughs> that's one of our OCD habits. And I don't know anybody that just mines the calls down there. <laughs> I mean, but officer times handling them. Yeah. Yeah. I hate officer time. He's my <laughs> least favorite officer. <laughs> what are you talking about they're gone upon arrival i don't know where they went all right cool i cool. hate that guy <laughs> so is there any particular dispatch call or story or incident that you um want to share that uh really can kind of give people um and I, I again i don't know if you want to talk about the one i'm thinking about but uh i know you've been behind the microphone in the dark for a lot of crazy shit. Yeah. Um, actually my husband was in an officer involved shooting and you know, it, long story short, I hear shots fired and no, no long story I'm long. On... That's what we're here for. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't... <laughs> no. Um, if you're going to bring know, it up, you got to bring it up. Let's get into it. Cause I know um, it, but I, 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 you know, I know the story, but. Well, it's, you know, following robbery suspects, they get in pursuit. Um, they finally pull over while well, they crash. So I guess technically they pull over. Um, and, and you guys shot. were already married at the time, right? Yep. And our, our, we had a baby at mm -hmm. home mm -hmm. and, uh, it's, it's really weird. Cause I was working radio that day and I was able to detach myself and, you know, the, the only nervous tick I had was my leg bouncing up and down during the whole thing. And just kind of was like, okay, well, you know whatever happens happens. I got to be professional because it's not going to help anybody out there if I'm not. Mm -hmm. um, and I hear, you know, shots fired and like, okay, well, you're going to tell me if anyone was hit, who was hit, you know, it seemed like 15 minutes before I found out it was really like, you know, four minutes or something. And it was suspect down and I'm just like, okay, well, that's, that's that. Um, and John had called me and he's like, I'm, I'm okay. Okay, great. Get back to work. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's, uh, you got calls stacked up. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said that. Yes. You, you have six calls pending. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, it, I, I don't have the time to worry about, Oh God, I hope my husband's okay. I hope my husband's okay. Um, <clears throat> it's just, do your job but it doesn't it's go automatic away. mode but here's the thing it doesn't go away right it's it's postponed trauma right because you you were still there you were still in the moment you were still experiencing this event where your husband is out there doing his job and you're in there doing your job like i said behind them they operate behind a microphone in the dark it's like being a radio dj there is you don't see anybody Right. You mm -hmm. don't like the only time you see people is when the coppers come to the station to bring you a coffee or a Red Bull or, you know, when freaking uh, the watch commander or another dispatcher comes in. Other than that, it's like literally like being, you know, some late night DJ working in a booth on the overnight shift talking to yeah. air. Right. Yeah. And all you have is your imagination. You know, right. it, it's your imagination to visualize things. And that's how a lot of us function. Um, you know, visualizing what's going out in the going on out in the field. And, you know, it's, it's not often we get to see body cam footage on how things went down. So all we have is what we're making up in our minds. So in this incident, you've got four minutes roughly of focusing and doing your job, but 
you know, you, you compartmentalize. Well, that's the whole thing. You have to put it in a compartment, but it's still there. Mm -hmm. It's just in a compartment. So at some point, whether it's five minutes after the call is cleared or whether it's five hours after the call is cleared or whether Mm -hmm. it's five minutes after you get off shift or whether it's five years after you retire, you have to open that compartment and deal with this moment in your life where you had to ignore the fact that your significant other was in a fight for their life and you had no idea what was going on with them for a, you know, not insignificant length of time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I compartmentalize very well and it's, you know, we were able to talk about it after obviously he came home late, you know, and we talked about it and I I think that's how I processed it. That's how we processed it. We just talked about it together and, debriefing it um you know there's other officer involved shootings that i've been involved in where i'm still like you know what the hell happened um we had one within the past few years i had just gotten on shift and i was across the room you know about ready to walk to my console i got my headset and my partner um you know said hey this is what's going on we're working a, a burglary in progress and all of a sudden I just hear shots fired over the radio. So I don't even have my computer set up. I don't know where the hell this calls at. And I just start dispatching the fire department calling medical. And I'm like leaning over my partner's shoulder, looking to see where, where I'm sending these people. And I have no freaking idea. And, you know, the law enforcement aspect of it, they were good enough to invite us to debrief, but eh, dispatch is short staffed, can't attend the debrief. And I'm, you know, I'm still like, what the hell happened out there? I, so I can, you read think... through, can read through reports, but, you know. Do you think when those situations happen, you you more or less zone in on the fact that you're like laser focused on what's going on and you don't really have time to think about all the other scary shit that's going on? Yeah. <clears throat> or does like, a, does your, your, your heart just drop to the pit of your stomach and then you just start going? Or does that happen? Or is it like both? <laughs> after, or is it both? <laughs> it's both. It's like. You know, you're, oh, fuck. And then just automatic mode. Yeah, I mean, you don't have seconds to waste. You just, you know, okay, I can dispatch without my CAD system logged in. I still have my radio up. I can, you know, just right. do it this on the This job used to be done on a punch card with a pencil yeah. and a, a radio. Like, it it can be done. It's just not it as can. easy. Yeah, it's not. But you know what? They, they got to where they needed to go. And once things settled down, I was able to go back into our playback system and fix the times for the fire department. Um, you know, just make sure that they have the right dispatch time, arrival time, because that's super important when they're doing the reports, especially when a suspect is shot and killed. You know, it could right. lead to uh, civil ramifications. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, why did the fire department take so long? Mm-hmm. So, you know, little details like that, you go back and fill in the blanks, but you just, you got to do what you got to do with what you have. And, uh, I think that's really important, uh, for dispatch, you know, recruits or trainees, whatnot, you have to be flexible. You have to be able to think on the fly and you have to adapt and overcome because we rely, we have to, we rely heavily on technology and what we do and technology is not immune to going down or having glitches and so sometimes you just got to bust out the pad of paper and a pen and i remember um, those i've worked like (laughs) yeah (laughs) 
cat is down <laughs> get out the legal pad because the phone and the micro the, the radio and the phone still work so <clears throat> excuse me so well, we've we had, had that happen so much really yeah where it would go down and you'd work like six hours to eight hours with no radio complete black the screen's not working it's up it's on it's just it's not working because the system's down uh cad system's down and and stuff like that so you can't get anything sent to your box you can't um they uh they go into um like emergent and um and uh, calls only so code two and code three calls only no non-emergency bs's and so you're just running and gunning to those and you're having to write down all your shit on a on paper again and that is it, it's difficult but it's also easy too because it's it's like like no it simplifies things bs yeah. Yeah, yeah well i can tell you straight up that i came on the job in a radio car there was no mdc there was there like it was you know a little you had to have the hot sheet and the pad of paper and you know my mm-hmm. dad came on before i i can't complain my dad came on before you didn't have a radio on your belt <laughs> you know <laughs> you had a call box key <laughs> um but you know there's there's a purity of picking up the mic answering the call writing down the address getting there and figuring it out right there's a there's you know there's a lot more that goes into it yes it's a lot better in in the long run when you have cad and you have the timestamps and you have the ability to track things and you know yeah technology is great but there is like i said there's a purity to the flying by the seat of your pants and doing the job the old school way <laughs> yep it it's just so it simplifies things and yeah. it's like you know what this this is what you're getting and i'm sorry i can't run the person i sorry i can't you know get you better directions to where you're going figure it out yourself so my, my people who've listened to the show long enough know that my mother was a dispatcher with the los angeles police department she worked with the voice of the radio for what adam 12 sharon and was trained uh, by her and um she spent several years there doing that job and it was literally just radio and you know punch cards and all that kind of stuff and they used to dispatch for the longest time and i chuck i think you you've heard about this stuff and probably from your dad the days of unknown trouble see the man corner of walk and don't walk mm-hmm. that's it that's what you got there was yeah. their call came out somebody at the corner of you know first and main said i need a cop and it was unknown trouble see the man that was it and you go and figure it out yeah. And honestly, even in the days of technology, you still get calls like that because you have a uncooperative PR who who just calls and then hangs up and then there's no callback. Callback is not going through. And so you often get would get stuff like that, not as frequent as, you know, back in the day, but you would get those. And especially when when shit would go down, you'd get so little information um, because they would call in real quick and they wouldn't have anything transcribed and they just be like, well, I don't know. Well, and that's why I love the mantra that I was taught by one of the saltiest of Jim. You know, you remember Jim. All I have to say is Jim. And he looked at me when I was, he had so much salt. His mustache was salt and pepper, you know. Um, (laughs) He used to say, whenever possible, arrest the RP. (laughs) 
<laughs> and for those of you who don't know what that means, Chuck, Chuck's agency, some agencies call him a PR, the person reporting. Some agencies call him the RP, the reporting party. Um, or hell, go to the East Coast and it's like what they have, the complainant, right? They have all yeah. kinds of weird terms. But um, when all, whenever possible, arrest whoever called the cops. Because that'll teach them to call the cops in the future. Oh my God. <laughs> but you know what's funny is I thought he when I when he first said that to me as a very young, you know, copling with water dripping out from my ears, fresh out of FTO, I thought he was being just salty, right? But I didn't realize how many times you will get the chance and you will be arresting the, right? the person who called the cops. Because so many times the person who called the cops thinks it's one way like right you they're like it's clearly chocolate. I called them and you first. Get there and you're like motherfucker it's vanilla first. and you're going to jail <laughs> yeah. yeah they always I, have I, the same answer i called first though it don't matter it don't matter it doesn't matter that's it's saying, just trying to like, get ahead of it you're, yeah exactly you're, you're in trouble but i think there's an element <laughs> of that too i think there's an element of people that are like oh i'm gonna get the cops called to me so i'm gonna call the cops and i'm gonna tell them what's up we Motherfucker, we're not stupid. We're going to get out there. We're going to hear the story. We're going to know you're full of shit and you're going to go to jail. Or even better, it's a civil issue or it's something that didn't need the police involved to begin with. But the RP has a warrant. And the only reason you're there is because they yep. called on something stupid. And you're like, uh, so this is a civil issue. You're going to have to deal with your neighbor directly about where they park their car. There's nothing we can do about it. But also turn around and put your hands behind your back. You have a warrant and I'm taking you to jail. <laughs> Dude, that reminds me. There is the funniest story. This, this this fucking transient would always come in and try to like make complaints on cops. Like like looking at the wrong way. Like just constant bullshit. And so uh, she comes in one day and she's making like this big stink about fucking officers. And she just hates cops, right? And so I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Well, what's your name? Oh, okay. What's your last name? Oh, okay. What's your date of birth? Oh, okay. And I'm running her through a system mm -hmm. for wants and warrants like, mm -hmm. through, through uh, like the, the system clips. I was talking about earlier. Yeah. yeah and I'm like, doo, 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 doo. I'm like, hey, I get all that. And I understand. But you know, you have a felony warrant. And she's like, what? I was like, yeah, it's a felony warrant for drugs. Mm -hmm. dude she sprinted out so fast <laughs> the station i was like oh shit there Bye. she goes and then now i know for next time and there were so many times where you'd have to arrest her and but she'd be making a complaint so you'd have to take the complaint supervisor take the complaint on officers it's bullshit but they take it but you'd end up arresting her yeah. for a fucking warrant or some yep. fucking crazy crime it's just I know a guy that called the ticket to, to transients. He'd hand a transient a citation and say, here's your warrant application. Please sign it. <laughs> <laughs> what I well, wanted to. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go for it. I was going to say, I was going to cover something from earlier where you were talking about how like the transients were people calling them like sleeping in a stoop. Like, we don't know if they're, they're, you know, alive or dead. Right. And then you have like the complete polar opposite where a city is overran by transients where they just stop calling really because they're like so sick and tired of it and they'll actually walk over someone who's on unconscious on the side of the sidewalk and just walk over them and come to find out that person's been dead for hours oh we have we have not experienced that yet but i we did have one caller who actually went to go check on this guy that was slumped over in a car um 
because he, he was at a stoplight and he looked over and the car's parked and he's like, oh, that doesn't look like. So he flips around the block and parks and he goes and checks on the guy and the guy's not breathing. So he pulls him out of his car and starts giving him CPR, but he was dead. Um, but it's like, see, this is why you need to check on people. Right, right. <laughs> like if the they, one so, time. Well, but also think about this way. if the guy, Even if the guy had been in distress and the guy had started CPR or started something, you know, by the time the cops get there, he might be dead and might not be savable. You might be the person who calls might be the first line of defense. They might be the one who saves that life. You know, you get the, your name in the paper and you get the key to the city and fucking who knows, but regardless, you could save a human life. If you just go over there and poke them with a stick, you know, you know, I, what's up? I know that we're all annoyed with transients and they're taken over. And I think we're mostly annoyed with the laws, you know, tying our hands behind our back where we can't do anything, but you know, as, as my favorite uh, character uh, detective, Harry Bosch says, everybody mm, yeah. counts or nobody counts. Yep. And and that really does apply. And, and just because we keep dealing with you every damn day for the same damn thing, you know, if you're become a victim of a crime, we're going to investigate it. Yeah. When I found out because I retired and our town drunk, because believe it or not, when Candace and I worked together, we did have a town drunk. And if I, if, I don't even have to say his name and Candace knows exactly yep. who I'm talking about. And tall it lanky was, man. Yeah. <laughs> with missing a couple fingers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, had the town masturbator. <laughs> right. <laughs> See? And so when I retired, he was still, you know, farting around the city. Then I found out, you know, I got a text from a buddy of mine who was still in the department and there was like, oh yeah. Hey, so-and-so died. And I kind of got a little you sad get that feeling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got, I was like, oh, you know, because I didn't hate the dude. Right. Like he would he would be drunk and pissing on the front door of Vaughn's in front of children. And I'd go there and I. would All right, Alan, time to go to jail. Yep. <laughs> you know, oh, you know um, one time we switched out his vodka with water just because he was always going to try and get it a, one more drink before he went to jail. And so the officer poured out the vodka and he was like, where's my drink? So she filled it with water and handed it to him and he'd spit it out. Like he had just been poisoned. You know, (laughs) he used to save his pee in a, in a vodka bottle because his pee still had booze in it. And if in an emergency, he could drink that. Oh my God. Um, That's bad. But here's the thing. Like, he was a pain in the ass to deal with. And sometimes he'd be, he, sometimes he'd fight. Sometimes it would go sideways. Sometimes he'd be totally cooperative. Sometimes he was the most disgusting human being I've ever met. But I knew his backstory and I knew how he'd gotten to where he was. And there was death in the family. And there was the accident that cost him his job, which removed half his hand, you know, and like, it's, I just, I felt for the guy in, because I'm a human being. And like you said, Hieronymus Bosch, either everybody matters or nobody matters. And I, we joked about, you know, God, what, what if we could just drive Alan up the, or the middle of nowhere and leave him? But we never did because we, you know, you just take him to jail and get him to sober up. Well, when he died, you get this like, oh, man, that poor yeah. guy. We had one of those recently, Um, you know, this this transient. Uh, he was on the younger side and he he got hit by a car. Um, he would dance around and with his garbage bag full of cans and, you know, just be bebopping down the street. He'd, you know, get into it with the officers, but he was always, you know, he was like our department's pain in the butt. And so when he passed, there was kind of like a unspoken 
oh, you know, yeah. it's like bummer. Um, yeah. Because I think it, it it is a weird thing. And I, and I think it's because when you're taking calls about this person, you can visualize what they're doing yeah. out there. And then yeah. when the officers go, go out there and deal with them, you kind of form, I don't want to say bond, but relationship. Like, you, you form yeah. a, a relationship with this person and some days it'll be a negative relationship because they're going to jail. Some days, you know, you're just laughing. At them. And, yeah. Yeah. Like, Hey, how's your day going? And sometimes um, they're just like, Hey, I'm, I'm trying to get out of the rain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So and it, it's, anyway. it's like a collective, like, Oh man, that sucks. Well, Candace, we are almost out of time and I cannot believe how fast it's gone, but talking to you is always done that so i know uh, i'm glad that i finally was able to make it you know i have no time because we're short-staffed and so you're you have homework first yeah. first your first homework assignment is to write down some of the calls that you can share stories about and we'll have you back on and then the second homework assignment is to get your hubby to come on because your <laughs> hubby and chuck you know he's a marine He's oh, deputy he's jarheads. Yeah. So we got to get him on. We, we can have you guys on together to talk about what it's like to be a married couple working at the same agency. I don't care. We just, I, I just love having you on and, and we love the story. So those are your homework assignments. And you okay, see yeah, now I, that you've done it, it's totally painless. It's just like hanging out. It is painless. And I thought I'd have to use my husband as a crutch the first time. <laughs> Cause you know, he likes to talk. Right. But you know, you, you say you don't like to talk, but when we get chatting with you, you're, you, you, you're perfectly good at it. Uh, <laughs> especially I, I, it's annoying because I who talks for a living. That's why I don't like talking when I'm not at work. Cause I do it too damn much. And that's why John has to make all the phone calls outside of work. Cause I'm like, I don't want to call the doctor's office. Can you do it for me? Yeah. I hate the phone. <laughs> you know what? <clears throat> that is phone. such that is something that to really dive into through the psyche of, of, a, of a law enforcement or first responder or dispatcher where we speak to people every day, but when we're in our home lives, we don't want to talk to anyone. We yeah, don't want to make done. phone calls. And we yeah. always ask our significant other to do all of that. And they're just like, what the fuck? You, but, but you don't have fear of talking to people like you don't care. Like, no, but I just, I don't want to fucking do it. I'm done. I'm over like, like I'm burnt out. but see, I'm okay, still burnt so, out on talking to so people. let's I'm go uh, real quick. Cause this is, a, we should address this on an episode cause we can do a <laughs> deep dive on that. But, um, lock, I, I knew a dude who said his dad was a locksmith and all their locks were shitty on their house. My father-in-law is a Finnish carpenter who makes kitchen cabinets and he has the shittiest kitchen in the world, right? Like cops, a lot of times have kids that are totally misbehaved. Why? Because they fucking parent people all day. They get home. They don't want to do it anymore. A locksmith doesn't want to work when he gets home. A carpenter doesn't want to work when he gets home. You do it. And then you get home and you're like, fuck, I don't, I'm, I'm over it. Like, no, I'm good. We're not, we're not doing it. Right. So we should, we should get into that. Um, no, Candace, you do not have a, a dedication, but we discussed who we wanted to dedicate this episode to, and you were you were all about it. So, Chuck, oh yeah, why don't you yeah. give us our dedication? So this goes this is for uh, Darnell Calhoun, Deputy Sheriff Darnell Calhoun was shot and killed while responding to a domestic violence call in the eighteen five hundred block of Hilldale Lane in Lake Elsinore. A call taker heard the sounds of a struggle after an occupant of the home had called to report a child custody issue. At the residence, Deputy Calhoun was the first deputy to arrive on the scene and was shot. Deputy Calhoun's backup arrived and discovered him wounded in the street. The second deputy became engaged in a shootout with the suspect and wounded the man. Deputy Calhoun was transported to Valley Medical Center where he succumbed to his wounds. Deputy Calhoun 
had served at the Riverside County Sheriff's Department for 11 months and had previously served at the San Diego Police Department for two years. He survived by his expecting wife and two sons. He was 30 years old, three-year tour, and his badge is 6097. Rest easy, Deputy Calhoun. We've got it from here. Um, I, I yeah, those those are never easy to do, and they just get no. worse and worse every time. But uh, we we always dedicate our episodes, uh, our stories to people, so because um, it's all about carrying on the work, and it's all about making sure that their uh, sacrifice is remembered. So rest easy, brother. Candace, it has been a blast. I I miss seeing your smiling face every day. It was so much fun. Thank you. Um, and, I had I had fun. Yeah, I'm sure you're I'm, you're 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 where you're happy where you're at, obviously, because you and your hubby don't live in California stand anymore. I won't say where. Yes, but, and, he, uh, and he gets to be a stay at home daddy because I I uh, I'm making pretty good money as as a supervisor now and working yeah. so much. So I I've got, you know, You've got a kept family. man. I have a kept man and I love it. I love that man so much. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be able to do what I do without him and my daughter, you know, being like, all right, you got to go to work again today. You got to go to work on your day off. So did he uh, retire? He just had enough. Had enough. Yeah. Yeah. I I know a lot about what uh, Mm -hmm. some of the cops in our County have been through and it, it, it's not just the job. Sometimes, sometimes it's, the actual agency, um, yeah. which is really, it's, it's, it's terrible. We should, we can get into, we should do an episode just on, like, we'll have a bunch of people on and we'll just talk about how the politics it's and the it, defending yourself from your own agency is the mm-hmm. Like, that's the hard, I get memes all the time sent to me about like, like John will send me stuff. My buddies will send me stuff. And it's always like, you know, there's either, the shit you deal with on the street, which is hilarious and we all know it, but then there's like the really sinister stuff where you're like, yeah, that happens at the administrative level from the city, from mm-hmm. the county, from the department. Yeah. I'd rather work in the shittiest of cities, shittiest mm-hmm. of areas with a department who 100% has my back. I know without a doubt they're going to back me no matter what, unless I do something like seriously egregious, like fucking mm-hmm. murder someone or kidnap someone, right? Um, or keeping dead hookers in my my trunk of my car, you know, like some like crazy shit like that. But like without a doubt, I know they're gonna have my back. I would rather work for something like that and deal with the shittiest of shit every day to have an agency that 100% back you than work in a good area or an okay area or an area that has a lot of crime that has goods and bad sides of both. Where an agency that but will the not agency back you rather rat fucks you. you all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. Well. Um, That wraps it up for this week. And until our next episode, come home with your shield or on it.